Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here today. Thank you for your time. We have a fabulous guest. We always have fabulous guests on the High Performance Nursing Podcast. And today, Tammy Copley is returning. This episode is about bullying and harassment and violence in the workplace and at home. We think that it's a super important topic that we should be talking about. And I just wanted to preface this by saying that this may trigger some people listening. If that's you, please reach out to get support. There are lots of ways you can do that. You can reach out to me. If you need to chat, you can reach out to Tammy, um, EAP and the Nursing Member Free Support Helpline. Let's dive in. Tammy, how are you? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm well, thank you, Liam. And it's wonderful to be back. Thank you for asking me again. Of course. No, you're always welcome here. For those of you that are not aware who Tammy is, you need to know who she is because she is I'm doing amazing work in the nursing midwifery bullying kind of space online, amongst many other things. We also have a podcast episode that we did, what was a while back now, and it's in the podcast somewhere. I think it was quite early on. And we talked about the kind of the original pandemic, right, which was bullying pre-COVID, like the big pandemic is bullying and harassment within the workplace, within the nursing midwifery space, which is Not ideal and not great, but we're here to talk a bit more about that today. So make sure you check out that episode. However, let me give you a very brief intro to Tammy. Tammy, you're in Queensland, right? You're up in Queensland? I certainly am, yeah. You are beautiful. Tammy's in Queensland. She started nursing over 40 years ago. Wow, 40 years of amazing, diverse clinical experience. Currently, you're a nurse, you're a midwife. You're currently working as a child health nurse in the community, is my understanding. Yes. You did hospital-based training. And you've upskilled, up-leveled, and you've done all of these amazing degrees, including a Master of Nursing Leadership. Mm-hmm. Amongst all of the things that you've been doing, you've been a nurse unit manager, you've worked in most specialties and sectors within healthcare. And the prominent theme that kind of brings us here today to talk about is bullying and harassment within the nursing sector. Yes. And you've created a beautiful online space where it's safe to come and talk about that. It's nursing and midwifery, Nursing and midwives. Oh my God, I always butcher it. Nurses and midwives against bullying Australia. Yes. Yes, I got it. That's it. Fabulous. You got it right. It is a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just being special today. So (laughs) let's dive in um, because we've talked about bullying in the past. Today, we've got a kind of bit of an agenda to talk about. I want to ask you, before we dive in, all of the things that we're talking about today are things that Tammy kind of brought to me that come up frequently in your group, right? That people kind of present with that you talk about a lot. So we thought it'd be great to bring it up here. So the first thing we want to talk about is what is the difference between domestic violence and bullying? Okay, so I'm going to say there's a difference, but yet there's not a difference because there are so many similarities. So in domestic violence, the topic of the moment is coercive control. And in Queensland, our parliament just decided this week that we're going to proceed to criminalise coercive control. It's probably not going to come through until sometime towards the end of next year and if we're not lucky into the year after. However, it is gradually being recognised. Bullying is one of those things that has sort of sizzled like domestic violence in the background with no one really doing anything constructive about it. So when we talk about bullying and domestic violence, now I've got a YouTube channel that I've only ever put one thing on, but the one thing I have put on is about what is domestic violence, what is bullying, it's coercive control and what are the similarities. Now, domestic violence, we often hear it's between a woman and her partner as the perpetrator. And a lot of men get upset about that and say, but what about us? We are victims of domestic violence too. And yes, they can be. And we also know that in same-sex relationships too, it could be two men, it could be two women, and which one is the perpetrator? Sometimes both of them are the perpetrator. So I want to stand up and say it's not just women who cop domestic violence and it's also not just women that cop bullying either. And I've made that very clear on the page that we need to recognise it just is domestic violence and bullying are simply between two people or more. Mm -hmm. We talk about domestic family violence because 
when we talk about domestic violence, traditionally that's between, been between a man and a woman. That's been extended domestic and family violence because that violence, that perpetration of coercive control can come from other family members. It might not be a partner. Mm. It might be a mother, a brother, a sister, a cousin. It could be a whole family turning against just one person. And that's not uncommon, and we see that a lot in nursing and midwifery, mm. where someone's got no family, and it's because they've been ostracised by their family for whatever reason. And the number one word I want to look at in all of those situations is the word toxicity mm. and the word co- the, or the term coercive control. Coercive control is like a power imbalance that one person has more power than the other for whatever reason. It could be a heap of reasons. It could be that because the man's a big tall, gruff fellow and he's married a woman who, and he's got this preconception that women are weak and we've got to be submissive and all that kind of stuff. It could be a woman who's just incredibly jealous of her husband because he's got this amazing job and she's staying at home looking after the kids and she feels very vulnerable and she feels that her work isn't as important. There's a thousand and one reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Now, coercive control could be making sure that your partner has your PIN number and they moderate all of your activity on your phone, your social media, your text messages, emails. It could be stopping you talking to certain members of your family. It could be making you worship a certain religion Mm. or not being able to worship your particular religion. It can be humiliation. It can be controlling what you do and don't do. There are so many things. So have a look under the terms coercive control, what that means. There's a lot under it. And a lot of people experience it in the home and they don't realise. If you have a look at the YouTube channel for Nurses and Midwives Against Bullying Australia, there's a talk I've done on there that explains them really, really well. Mm. So how does that translate to bullying? So there's a lot of people who actually go from home being victims of domestic violence and then they go into the workplace and they're being bullied there too. So there's no safe place for them to go. They should be safe in their own home. They should be safe in a work environment, especially we call ourselves health professionals. We're meant to be caring. Mm. But the bullying is absolutely rife within nursing and midwifery and similar things can happen. So in the home you're isolated from your family and friends. In the workplace you get isolated from your other colleagues. Your husband won't let you try to do different things or your wife won't let you do different things and the workplace won't let you do different things so that you can't progress. They try to hold you back. Mm. There's physical violence in the home from whoever the perpetrator is. It could be scratching, it could be punching, it could be trying to strangle or choke someone, spitting at them. The same thing can actually happen in the workplace. I've spoken to a number of nurses and midwives who have been spat at by their manager hit or slept, held against a wall. I've spoken to members who have been raped by a fellow co-worker and I've said that's not bullying anymore. That's where it stopped become bullying and it's become a criminal event. Mm. But, yeah, nurses and midwives can be physical towards each other as well. A nurse who was locked in a room and not allowed out of that room and given a laptop only and there was very little light or anything. It was an empty room and made to work in that environment. They're all coercive control. They're all part of the bullying process. But what they all come down to is it's inappropriate behaviour from someone where there's a power imbalance and it's also unlawful and it's unprofessional when it's in the workplace. Very, very damaging. Yeah, wow. Wow. Oh my goodness, those stories of, you know, people being, yeah, wow, I just can't even get my head around that. That's going to take me some time to process that for sure. It's terrible. Yeah. What I wanted to pick up on there, and you definitely touched on it, was that link between the domestic violence and then coming into the workplace, and then it kind of like being a ripple effect, right? Mm -hmm. Almost so that experience that I've never put the two and two together, to be quite honest, I've never really thought about that. I don't think a lot of people probably do think about it, right? No. Just think, oh, you know, Liam's being bullied at work. Like, and they're not thinking about what's going on at home and for that individual. And I guess on an individual level as well is what's happening is you're being like being controlled in the home environment. So you're also then, Mm -hmm. it's not your fault, but you're bringing that mindset into the work environment and you've got your guard up and, you know, you're in self-protection modes. All of the things, you know, the whole world is a threat. You're in constant fight or flight. It's terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. And having said that, the fight or flight, we know that a lot of nurses and midwives do get 
PTSD or I think a lot of nurses and midwives too tend to be diagnosed with adjustment disorder after severe bullying. Now, I really, I'm, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm obviously not a psychiatrist, but I really have to question why they're being diagnosed with adjustment disorder when their symptoms, and adjustment disorder is a stress response, but I wonder why they're not being diagnosed with PTSD. Why are doctors stopping short of diagnosing PTSD? Adjustment disorder is meant to be like, a normal event that we may experience in life, such as moving house, moving jobs, or mm. having a car accident, or, or something like that, where we simply don't adjust afterwards. It becomes a major stress event where it wouldn't normally happen like that. So it's an everyday thing that mm. has, for some reason, unduly brought huge levels of stress to a person. And it has a, a minimal time frame like six months. After six months, if it continues, why are we not readjusting that? adjustment disorder diagnosis why are they stopping short of diagnosing post-traumatic stress disorder Mm. and I've spoken to many 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 nurses and midwives who have got PTSD either because of bullying or as a result of domestic violence their trauma responses to abnormal very abnormal and very dangerous situations that as you say put us into that fight or flight response Mm. and I guess when we're in that circumstance we're like we're in a domestic violence situation or a bullying situation in the workplace, there's not a lot that we can control. Exactly. You can't flee. No. It's like you're being a prisoner. Yeah. You need the job to pay the bills or, you know, like, or it's a self-perpetuating problem. Yes. And I guess my question is, you know, how do you start to get yourself out of that? How do you, because a lot of it comes back down to you as an individual and what can you take responsibility for like what can you self-coach and self-lead and how can you get yourself out of that state because as you say it's a trauma response and everybody that's coming at you seems to be unsafe yes yeah and you don't know who to trust anymore because Mm. we discussed in our last podcast that we did and i'm pretty sure it was the eighth one that you did episode eight i think that's the one that we spoke we spoke about flying monkeys and mobbing Mm. and they're getting domestic violence there's flying monkeys and mobbing the partner is often recruiting people in the family. It could be the victim's family, it could be his family, and it can be friends that they're recruiting. So flying monkeys, the Wizard of Oz Mm. and the Wicked Witch had all these flying monkeys coming in and out doing their dirty work. Bullies are narcissists, and I will say that not every bully is a narcissist, but every narcissist is a bully. Mm. So, you know, the witch had her flying monkeys doing the work. Why did she do that? Because bullies are actually weak people and they can't act on their own. They very rarely act on their own and nor does the partner in the home that is the perpetrator. Mm. They rarely act alone. They're trying to make other people in the family think that you're crazy, that you're stupid, and this is about the gaslighting where Mm. I never said that or you're just too sensitive or, you know, comments like that. So gaslighting is really interesting to look up as well. Mm. And if you get a chance to watch the movie from... 1937 or 47 or something like that and it shows a male being the perpetrator of domestic violence against this woman and and making her think she's crazy no you didn't put your pen there it was never there it's over there it was there the whole time but he's actually moved it so this is not from the movie this is just me giving an example but the same thing happens in a workplace I have spoken to a nurse midwife who the manager or the person bullying her would say, no, it's not like that, or I told you it was this, not that. And in your mind, you're starting to question yourself, starting thinking, well, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I do have mental health concerns, or maybe it is me, and it's not. And in both environments, bullies do it, DV perpetrators do it as well. They try to make you think you're crazy, you don't know, and then it gets to the point where you might start hearing people speaking about you or whatever. So you don't feel safe to go to anyone in the workplace because who can I trust now? I thought Sarah was my friend and yet Sarah's not talking to me anymore or Sarah's gossiping with me or won't spend time with me anymore. So if the friends are making the workplace start doing this kind of thing and they're becoming those flying monkeys and then all this mobbing happens, everyone's coming in against you, Mm. yeah, it makes you feel very unsafe. And we have nurses and midwives say, I get to work, I sit in the car and I literally cry for half an hour before I go in and then when I come out I do the same. I sit in my car and I sob and I sob until I think I can drive home and some are and some are not going home to workplace violence as well. Mm -hmm. 
I guess, yeah, what I, what I wanted to touch on there was like this idea, and, and I kind of remind people of this all the time, that the bullies are suffering. Like they're also suffering, right? They're suffering immensely. We, I'm not saying we need to feel empathy or sympathy for them, yeah. but it is a fact that they are suffering and they're projecting all of their crap on the people that they are bullying. And I think that that gives people that are being bullied, I've been bullied, like I'm a gay guy, I've been bullied my whole life, right? At school, my whole upbringing, I was always the odd one out. And then in the workplace, you know, being a guy sometimes, you know, the only guy in the space can be a bullying experience. And I've also had some very, very nasty managers that have left an imprint on me. So I can relate to all of the things you're talking about. But I guess it's, you know, when you're in that situation, what I found was what you focus on as an individual kind of expands, right? And if you're surrounded by this, lack of self-belief, this lack of self-trust, this lack of self, this self-doubt all the time because people, the flying monkeys and the mob are just at you all the time, right? It just begins to eat away at your soul, right? And I think yeah. important to recognize that in that situation, you, you know, kind of what I found was one of my main duties was to try and create space where possible between those people and their suffering and what I was making that mean about me and my capabilities. And it's very, very difficult in the moment to do that. Yes. I think that's why you need support like, you know, NAMAS or the, the Nursing Midwifery Support Helpline or your group, you know, or coach or mentor. I think that's the beauty of helping people see their brain and see what's going on. But when you're in it, it just is like a big dark cloud over you. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's a bit like, you know, how the Black Dog Institute uses the Black Dog of depression so we think of a black dog being depression and yes some of these people do become depressed but it is it's like there's a black dog there just constantly foreboding you and or you've got a dog that is constantly nipping at your heels but you get to the point where you're just afraid and bullying is fear-based it's to create fear and we march with our feet most people who are being bullied actually leave I work in a workplace where our attrition has been huge and we've said, hey, we've got problems. It's being ignored by those people above us too. And that's another thing that nurses and midwives are scared to report bullying and yet we're mandated in the NMBO Code of Conduct, I think it might be Section 3.2 or something like that, that we are to report. So it's mandated to us in our Code of Conduct Mm. that we are to report if ourselves or anybody else is being bullied. Do we do that? No. Why? Because the person is so scared or they're already, a lot of people say, I'm damaged. And some people say, no, you're not damaged or yes, you are, but whatever term people want to use, I just can't do it anymore. I don't have the strength anymore. And this is the thing about domestic violence and bullying. The perpetrator tries to wear you down so that you are doubting yourself. You could be a completely competent person and usually it's such a person who's got really great strengths, Mm -hmm. especially in the workplace. The bully feels threatened or intimidated by you, not because you're threatening, not because you're intimidating, but they feel that way because, as you say, they're suffering and it could be something from their childhood, a gazillion years ago that they just haven't dealt with. It could be that they're having troubles at home. But as you say, there's no excuse. Do we have empathy or sympathy for them? Well, maybe to a point, but really I think the majority, I'm with you, no, they don't deserve empathy or sympathy. Some people are just plain nasty and that's where the narcissism comes in. Some people are just simply narcissistic. They're they're not necessarily suffering from anything in particular. It's simply their personality. Others, yes, they've had a terrible childhood that they haven't dealt with or some other big stuff is happening. I think the difference is that if you're bullying me at work, Liam, I can come to you and say, Liam, I do not appreciate the way you are speaking to me right now. Is there something bothering you? And you might go, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize I was doing that. Or, you know, I can confront you with whatever it is in a nice and professional way. Mm. If you're not really meaning to bully, you're going to come and say, look, I'm so, so sorry. I do not have an excuse. I am under a lot of pressure right now. However, I'm not managing that very well at the moment. Thank you for letting me know. Mm. And your behavior changes. You then take stock and go, oh, okay, and that stops. Mm. But. A true bully will use everything and anything against you. Mm. It's about their weaknesses, their insecurities. It's about them feeling there's something about you that threatens them and they don't feel safe 
for whatever that reason is. So then they start to pick on you and project their own negativity onto you or their weaknesses onto you. It's all about projection and blaming that, always blame the other person. And you may never have done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. I get a huge amount of bullying, especially from one particular place. I shouldn't get it because I stand up against bullying and I speak out for nurses and midwives. I cop an immense amount of bullying as a result and I can't reveal where that is, but I think some people will go, oh, yeah, I'd believe that. And others go, what? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. So it's because I stand up and I speak out for what's true. I advocate. It could be that you're a damn good clinician and that they just feel threatened by you being a damn good clinician. So we often think of bullying as being peer-to-peer, but there's also management that bully as well. And that's, again, about that power imbalance. It's about an inappropriate and unlawful behaviour that is directed to one people or a group of people, and it's an ongoing pattern. Mm-hmm. Now, do managers get bullied? Yes, I've been a manager three times, and as a manager, I have been bullied as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to dive into that with you because – what I was thinking was, I'm curious, I just, I've tried to rack my brain, like, why is it that we do, you know, what, why does anybody get bullied? But when you move up to that management level, when I looked around, when I was sitting in an unroll, I just thought to myself, no one's equipped, no one is equipped to do this job, unless they've gone out and done something themselves, gone and got their, you know, their masters of nursing leadership, and they've really looked into it. And what does it take to build culture? And Why are people your best asset and why are they so important to the success of the area? And yet we have just so many people in these roles that, like you say, sit there and bully and gaslight, create these mobs. What do you think it is that nurse unit managers, team leaders, educators, ADONs, DONs, CEOs are missing? What's the missing mark? I think some of it is that it's very competitive to get to the top. And in our society, we seem to think we've got to get to the top to be someone or to show that we've achieved something. No, we don't. I've been a manager and went, yeah, nah, I don't want to be a manager. You know, I've come back to grassroots and I'm very happy at grassroots because I feel like I make a big difference there. I've spoken to other people that say, you know what, I really thought I wanted to be a Don, but, you know, I've decided I don't want to do that. Or someone has been a Don and come back down to just work as a nurse, Mm. just work as a nurse. (laughs) No, you know, it's you're just working as a nurse because it's really the grassroots that hold up our health system. It's not our managers and CEOs, and let's stop calling them leaders. They're not leaders. You know, leaders are people who will guide and grow people. And I think that's one thing is that we're missing leadership Mm. in nursing and midwifery. Mm. And the people above us are making the big decisions but really not listening to us. I think, too, that there's a lot more stress and pressure on us in society and our values have changed. We, It's all about me. We're going through the me generation still and I've got to survive and I'm not going to help you. Also, other things like we're under so much pressure. Even before COVID, we didn't have enough nurses and midwives that we do unexpected or, sorry, expected even, but we unexpectedly do expected overtime. We're not paid for that. We're burning out at rates we've never burned out before. We're lack of collegiality. Collegial generosity is a work by Mary Chiarella that is worthwhile having a look at. But collegial generosity, where is that? I think the thing that's missing is love, and I don't mean romantic love. And I was just talking to a student about this yesterday. We just need to love our patients and our colleagues. That's what's Mm -hmm. missing. It's about respecting respecting others and honouring others and knowing that we don't all have to get to the top Mm -hmm. and that the top isn't actually the important place to be. It's not at all. And once you move up to the top, you're no longer being an acute care or community nurse or midwife. You've put all that stuff aside Mm. and they're looking at budgets and figures and, you know, trying to meet KPIs and KPIs been a very big killer in nursing and midwifery. You've got to meet KPIs. No, we need to look after our patients. Mm. So I think there's a lot of factors and we could talk forever about those. Yeah, I love all of that. I like what you talk about with the leadership part, you know. Yeah, like look at the title of the roles, nurse unit manager. But, you know, you don't manage people, you lead them, like you say. You manage resources. I always, I heard something at a Brene Brown course and it was, you lead everything with a pulse, 
and you manage everything without a pulse. And it's just a really simple way of putting it. And yeah, who calls themselves a clinical leader? I find it very fascinating, even in the work that I do, you know, coaching people, coaching leaders and managers. No one relates to that word, leader. It's fascinating. There are a lot of managers, but few leaders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that as we move through the career, what you just talked about there was my like vision. Like I was like, I want to be the Don. And as I climbed, I just went, hold on, I can't be the person who I want to be. I can't show up as Liam, the leader, and build this culture because I leave at 3.30 and the after hours manager comes on and they're not a leader. <laughs> they're a manager or a bully or a gaslighter. And I come back in at seven o'clock in the morning and I start from zero again. And that is just relentless and it's tiresome. I just find it very sad that we can't look at those roles and see the potential that they could possibly have. You know, mm-hmm. I always had this vision of being a Don that was like for the people in the culture. And I think we've all had that. I think in my experience, what happens is as people move up, they forget that they need to re-identify who they are, where they are, yes. reconnect back to the roots and still see themselves as that clinician, but also with additional responsibilities. I think they just move up and go, right, well, I'm now a nurse unit manager and you'll do what I say. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's a lot of people with those narcissistic tendencies or otherwise those insecurities, if they're not narcissistic, you just want to climb up because it gives them a sense of fulfillment and power. And then bullying is basically power gone wrong or people thinking that they've got more power than they have or that they're better than somebody else. No, we're not. Underneath it all, we're all human beings. And, you know, there's that verse that says, do to others Mm -hmm. what you want them to do to you. Mm. You know, do you want to be treated that way? But you will never, ever, ever convince. So if someone's an actual narcissist, you will never convince them of anything. They're always right. You're always wrong. They'll always deflect blame. It wouldn't matter how much you grovel to them or explain to them. Mm what was happening you're always the person who is wrong and yeah so some people you just can't do it with and once you work out those people step back Mm. and there's a thing that we call gray rocking so gray rocks they're pretty boring and plain right so gray rock them and oh yes we can agree to disagree or you just give such a really bland basic answer and the best descriptor I've seen of grey rocking is Dr. Ramani, R-A-M-A-N-I. She's got a YouTube channel. She talks about narcissism and all things narcissists. She does talk about other things too. If you want to learn about narcissists and what to do and not do, how to recognize them, read that. But just remember, not everyone is a narcissist. A lot of people will have narcissistic traits, but doesn't mean that they are. Mm. Yeah. I think the more that I learn, the more that I see and work with clinicians, I see the gap being, in my opinion, the self-coaching, self-leadership piece. I think if people at those levels on the floor, right up to the CEO, did more self-coaching and more self-leadership and raised their awareness and their consciousness of what they're doing and were open to feedback, truly open to feedback, the system would change. I think the scope for it to change. I don't feel like I'm being delusional when I say that. That's kind of my mission and my vision is to just help people see that you're choosing to be a bully. <laughs> it's yes. not, you know, like you are choosing to operate from that place. You can unchoose yeah. that. You can choose to just be amazing and say, Tammy, I'm so sorry that I acted like that. Like you said, earlier, mm-hmm. there's such power in reclaiming that on the bully side and also on the person that's being bullied to be like, hey, I don't need to tolerate this. That's your shit. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Yeah, and I'm going to try and move through this, and I'm going to choose to believe that you're suffering, and I'm going to try and clean up my thoughts around this so that I don't make it mean anything about my capabilities yeah. moving forward. Because that's what happens, right? We then begin to doubt ourselves immensely, like you said earlier. And that's what their aim is, for us to doubt ourselves, to become weak, always believe in yourself, believe in your competency. If you can reflect on your practice, if you can reflect on how you approach people and you do a lot of that inner self-worth work, not worth, you can actually go, you know what, I do need to improve in this area or that area. Take responsibility for that. Mm. But if you can really look at it and go, no, but I I know I did the right thing here or whatever, praise yourself. Mm. Start saying, and I've said to quite a few nurses and midwives lately, look yourself in the mirror, in the eyes. I am a great clinician. I am this. I am that. Until you believe it. 
because that's what they're trying to erode down mm-hmm. and so that you have no power because the power is what they want. But any bully, yes, it is a choice how they react, how they respond to you. So that's where that lack of sympathy and empathy comes in because they can change it if they want to and they're in breach of the code of conduct mm. every time, whether it's the NMB one or whether it's policies, procedures, codes of conduct in your own workplace. Yeah. And they can be reported on that and you can escalate the matters. And bullying only is staying because we are not standing up against it. We're too scared individually. We won't unite together. We have very, very strong voices. We've got almost half a million registered nurses and midwives on the ARPA register. And that's not just us. We need to then look at our AINs and our PCWs or PCAs or whatever they call themselves. The aged care bullying is rampant Mm. and we've got a lot of AINs. They support nurses and midwives. You know, students are bullied at university or they're bullied when they come into the workplace. What are universities doing to deal with that? You know, what are our workplaces doing to deal with these things? They're being ignored and they shouldn't be. I think... I seriously believe, and I do have a meme, that if coercive control can be legalised in the home, it can and should be in the workplace as well. Mm. We need to start getting accountability. We need to push for compliance. We need to be looking at the general protections that are available. So go to the Fair Work Commission, look under general protections. We'll talk about natural justice. We talk about procedural fairness, you know, and there's... um, Another thing called adverse action. Bullying, if it's coming from a manager or above, is actually adverse action. When it comes between us, between our colleagues, we look at it more like bullying that needs to be stamped out. The thing is there are no consequences. Perpetrators are moved sideways or they're actually promoted. And I can think of one person who physically assaulted someone in a group, literally physically and verbally assaulted them. It was It came actually under criminal conduct, but this person was promoted. And if you want help with bullying or, you know, any any issue at all in the workplace, industrial or professional, NAMAS or Nursing and Midwifery Advocacy Solutions, can't recommend Vicky high enough. She is brilliant. She's not a union. She's an advocate. She will arm you with what you need to know. We need to know our workplace rights. Learn what the Code of Conduct says. You must know what the Code of Conduct says for nurses or for midwives. You know what your local policies and procedures are. Know what is put into your state award, your enterprise bargaining. Know what the Fair Work Commission says about it. There's lots of information out there. But more importantly, let's stand and unite. We can have a very loud voice. Mm, so beautifully said. And thank you, Vicky. I'm sure she'll listen. Thank you, Vicky, for all the work that you do. And we'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes for people to get in touch with Vicky. Yes. Moving forward, utilize that resource. It's amazing. I wanted to ask you or, or explore your experience being bullied as a manager. I know we've talked a little bit about it, but are you happy to share your experience of that and kind of what you took away from that? Yes, absolutely. So I've been a manager in three different places. Now, in one of those, I was actually being bullied by my own team. So there was upwards bullying and it wasn't the entire team. There was just a couple of people and it didn't matter what I said, it went back up to management, to higher management, to the point that one day the director of nursing came down to try and catch me out with something. And they would only have known that because it came internally. Mm. And I was able to explain why and that was the end of it. Nothing ever came of it. But, you know, as a manager, you will face a lot of opposition. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And remember, they're called middle managers for a reason. They're the meat in the sandwich. They cop it from bottom up. They cop it from top down. And here they are in the middle of the sandwich. Mm. So, yeah, we do need to remember our managers are under huge amount of pressure. They're being pushed on from above. Then they have to push stuff down onto us because they've got these KPIs and budgets and different things they need to deal with. That is the side of management I hated. I'm not a fiscal manager Mm. and I, you know, was just naturally a leader and I didn't realise that for a long time despite people telling me. Another workplace that I worked in as a manager, there was actually a lot of racism from a particular group of people and we're hearing that more and more. I had a nurse just call me this week. She's one of the few nurses who have white skin and she's being bullied 
as a result. She's getting a lot of bullying, but I said to her, this doesn't just come under bullying. This comes under racism and discrimination as well. So it's not always bullying we're looking at. Some people don't realise it's actually adverse action or it's actually racial discrimination or it's actually a criminal offence. So, yeah, I was being bullied a lot. It was a lot of racism in it. I was doing my job well. I was highly praised by senior management because they liked what I was doing, but I was actually threatened by these people as well, not physically, professionally. Mm. Then the other position that I worked in as a nurse unit manager My staff loved me. They said, no one has cared about us in 20 years and how come you're getting this stuff done when no one's done this in 20 years? And I really loved that team, building them up and stuff, and the bullying came from above. So there's different ways that people bully, but the management above, I just stood up to them and said, it was my decision. I am their manager. There is nothing illegal or unlawful about what I have done and it fits within the policies and procedures. So if you let your bullies know, I know what I'm talking about, especially if it comes from higher management and they know that you know your rights and your legal responsibilities, sometimes they will actually back off. But yes, managers do get bullied from above and below or again, horizontal from other managers Mm. you're not immune to it just because you're a manager and not every bully is a manager and not every manager is a bully Mm. I've worked with some amazing managers but I've also worked with some of the most toxic as well yeah it's interesting isn't it a story that comes to mind for me is I applied for a senior nursing leadership position and I was up against another peer who was much more senior than me And clearly I was a threat in the process because there was a lot of bullying. There was a lot of behind the scenes bullying and gaslighting happening. And I just was like, I'm just giving myself the best opportunity here. And they they actually got the job. The whole process was totally buggered. I was going to say a bad swear word there, but it's totally buggered (laughs) in the sense that the job was already decided upon before we even interviewed right? So I find out through the EA, just by default, because the EA was a lovely person to the director of nursing, that she had made her mind up before she even interviewed. Yes. It's just ridiculous and put us through that process. Anyway, I got a great experience from it. But after that experience, the new senior to me, um, I didn't get the job. They came to me and said, oh, you know, like, ultimately, I'm better than you. Like, you're just too young. You know, this isn't your time. Like it wasn't even said in that nice way. It was just really vindictive and nasty. And it's like, things are going to change around here. I don't really like what you've been up to. I don't really appreciate this. And then every day that she would come around, she would say things like, you know, my my granddaughter is like, she's only been a nurse for like a year and like, she's better than you. Mm. And it's just like, wow, who is this human? And what deep suffering is she going through? Um, so, you know, it happens male to female, like male to male, like female to male. It is just fascinating. I also had, you know, a gender, but also like LGBTQI discrimination, you know, like people make jokes about being gay and thinking that it's all right in the workplace. And it's like, well, it's not okay. No. There's such shame that we carry, you know, whether we come from a foreign country and we're here or we're queer or we're trans. It's just fascinating that as humans, we just can't care and love more, that we can't just put it aside. And it just comes back to self-management. Because if you show up every day and you manage yourself, you're not going to bring that shit with you. Yeah. And you can't self-manage either unless you're doing some self-care and some self-compassion. You know, And sometimes people are bullying because they're simply burnt out when we're seeing more and more and more burnout, part of that from COVID, part of that just simply because of how our system operates. But self-care and self-compassion, they're two different things. And self-care isn't just going for a walk or having your nails done or, you know, going fishing. Yes, that's part of self-care, but part of self-care is also making sure that our mental health is okay And we're seeing more and more nurses and midwives with mental health conditions as a result of simply the pressures in the workplace or bullying or whatever. So looking after ourselves, recognising when when we're feeling tired and burnt out, say, no, I can't do that extra shift. I've got a nurse at the moment who she is constantly at work. She works in the aged care sector, but she's not being even given a day off. She's working weeks in a row without a break. And I've said to her, that's not self-care. That's not self-compassion. That is actually unlawful. They, You know, if you go through the Fair Work Commission, they can't get you to do that. 
but don't feel obliged because you've got lower numbers in nursing to accept overtime and try to get your breaks. Make sure you get your breaks at work. Have a, a trusted colleague that you can debrief with. Mm. Yeah, so we accept way too much honours and so therefore if we're not having self-compassion and self-care, how do we self-lead? Mm. And it's about dealing with those recorded voices in our heads that want to play over and over again, whether it's a voice from childhood, whether it's a voice coming from your manager that is simply not acceptable. Mm. That's such a good point. What stories are we running that we're, you know, that we're running from a past version of ourselves that no longer serve us? Mm. Like I think that's a really good question to just ask if you're listening. What are you running? What are you running that no longer serves you? Because the power lies with you, right? We've talked about it through this whole chat, is you can reclaim your thoughts. Like the thoughts that they try and impose on you, your brain's going to soak them up like a sponge, but you can choose to be like, I am amazing. I am great. I believe in my abilities. I have got this. I do not need to believe that I'm not worthy of this job because my manager's shitty. <laughs> yeah. Soak it all in, reclaim it all back. It takes work, right? Like you said, you've got to practice it until you believe it. Yeah. And then when you believe it, you will show up as a different version of yourself and that stuff will not hit you as hard. Yeah. Start building. You do build a, a thicker skin towards it and protect yourself. Yeah. yeah. And people talk about resilience, you know, building that thicker skin and using resilience. Sometimes I hate hearing the word resilience because they expect us just to toughen up and get on with the job no matter and keep donating that that unpaid overtime and, and keep working till you're burned out. That is not what it's about. You know, resilience is about having those tools to help yourself to keep rising when you face difficult situations. Mm. And resilience is about learning to say, no, I can't do that or that's not appropriate. And document, diarise everything. They say in court that if a nurse hasn't documented it, she hasn't done it. So if it's not documented, it's not done. Document episodes of bullying, day, date, time, who was there, what was said, how did it make you feel at the end of the day, diarise everything because without a diary you have nothing to pursue. It's actually evidence in court. And part of that is reflection and saying, well, this is how I felt today and I felt like I was completely incompetent because and doing that reflection to say, well, this is how it made me feel, but reflecting on that, I actually see I really am amazing, I really am a good nurse or whatever it is, whatever the issue is. So those journals are really important. Yeah, and recognizing when you do journal or you do do a diary that you really look at the thoughts that you're having about the situation from afar as if you're kind of like looking down from a balcony because we have like 60,000 thoughts a day. They're not all true. <laughs> like we collect no. them. We pick them up as we move along, right? And we just you know, cherry pick them. And our brain loves negativity. Our brain loves to be negative. It's wired negatively. Yeah. So if we can look at it and go, well, is this actually factual? A good way to test it is like, right, is it factual that I'm not good enough at my job? Like, yeah. of course it's not. Like a court of law would never prove that true. Yeah. And I think that that's a really great way to look at it from afar. And then re-empower yourself, like you said, and be like, I'm actually pretty bloody good. <laughs> I'm good. <Yeah. laughs> and if you can't see those positive things, if you can't break it down like you just said, you're stuck in that place that you just can't, you're so overwhelmed, yeah. ask some colleagues that you trust, please be honest with me. Am I doing this, this and this well or could I improve in it? What do you see as my positive points? And outside of work, Family and friends that you trust, I could give you a call and say, hey, Liam, can you just please tell me the positive things that you see about me? Mm -hmm. Or, Liam, I'm feeling this or someone has said that. Can you just tell me what you think so that I can bring that into my own heart and that I can then try and get that to infuse into my brain and start changing my way of thinking? If you keep thinking, I am bad, I am this, I am not good enough, ask people who you know really well, mm -hmm. both in the workplace and at home, what do you think? Mm, yeah, so powerful. Oh, my goodness, we could keep talking for hours, Tammy. Yes, so four hours. We could talk about it. You know, you'll be back on the podcast for sure. As we wrap up, I would love to gather your thoughts around what are the top tips that you would give anybody that has, you know, this has triggered something within them today, you know, and they, they need to work through something. Maybe they've been experiencing domestic violence. They've been experiencing bullying. What is your message for them? So my message for them is 
believe in yourself, get a very strong support network around you. If you don't know who you can trust at work and some people don't trust a single person they work with, get some really strong peer support, maybe another nurse or midwife you've worked with in the past that you trust. But get good support around you both personally and professionally if you can. If you need to get counselling, there is no shame in that. Some people like to use the EAS or however, so employee assistance scheme, which is free counselling that most workplaces will offer. It's only short, like it might be, I think ours is like you get five free. Some places you get three free consultations. Connect with a psychologist or a counsellor privately, or you might want to ring nurses, nursing and midwife support or, you know, any of those lifeline beyond blue. Get support early. Don't leave it till late. Get support early. Diarise, as I said, because if it's not documented, it's not done. So no one did bully you on that day. You've got to have a diary to take with you. Gather evidence. If there's something that in particular, go and look up the local policy and procedure on that. Keep a copy of that, write to that and say the policy and procedure of such and such state, such and such, and I was working within that because I did such and such. However, such a person accused me of, you know, and then you've got the evidence even from your notes that, no, that's not the case. Other things are know your workplace rights. The number of nurses and midwives who do not know their workplace rights, either through awards and EBs, as I said before, local policies and procedures, the NMBA code of conduct, your own health place and, you know, your own health sector, what are their policies and procedures and stuff, really knowing your rights. And this is where nursing and midwifery advocacy solutions come in. I couldn't recommend it high enough, as I said. It's $165 a year. No, it's not a union. But honestly, I would go to her in a heartbeat before a lot of other people. So get all of your information together. Be, you know, be a, is it a squirrel or whatever that goes and gets stuff, brings it back to the nest, gets stuff, bring it back to the nest. Be really familiar with any legislation. Escalate as soon as you can, not just on incident forms, but there might be workload forms connected to your work. There might be other reporting schedules. If you're pulled into an unexpected meeting, so in an unexpected meeting with you, I'm going to go straight back to my computer. Dear Liam, thank you for our discussion on this day, this time, about such and such. Mm-hmm. My understanding from the meeting is that you said blah, 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 or or we discussed these things, and my understanding is that you told me blah, blah, blah. So that's a written piece of documentation that the person gets an opportunity to write back and say, Yes, we did discuss these. However, what I actually meant was this. You can go, oh, yeah, that's okay. Or they might respond with garbage. Keep copies of all of these things. It's still evidence. And if you put in email exactly what they've just said to you in the meeting and what your understanding of it is, they have an opportunity to correct your misunderstanding or you've got information there that you can keep as further evidence. Such good advice. I'm glad you brought up the email. And the self-care. And the self-care. The email at the end is what I was thinking as you were saying that was make sure you put it in writing. You know, a manager will probably always send you an email after an, uh, an incident like that or a chat, an unofficial chat. So always respond to it. I see people all the time not responding. I'm like, no, you must respond with the facts. Try and keep the emotion out of it. Yes, yes. And just be really factual and have that back and forth written down. So there's lots of things that happen behind closed doors. That need oh, there's a lot, yes. For sure. I love all of those tips. Well, thank you so much, Tammy, for your time. Please tell us about the scrub top that you're wearing because I know that that's important and significant to you and what you're doing. It is. Yeah, so tell us about that and where people can find you. So Nurses and Midwives Against Bullying Australia, we're a Facebook page for education and support of nurses, midwives, students and carers, and we're also about lobbying and campaigning as well to deal with bullying. We don't just sit there with a Facebook page. There's an enormous amount of work that goes on behind the page with the admin of the page and things that we're planning. This shirt is our new scrub shirt that anyone can buy and wear in the workplace or just wear it shopping. It's a conversation starter. Wow, what are the blue ribbons for? What do they mean? Oh, this is about bullying in nursing and midwifery that we want to stamp out. Or if it's at work, one of your colleagues might mention it. It gives you an opportunity to speak to them about bullying. It gives them an opportunity to unload that load. And they go, oh, my goodness, thank you. Someone's doing something about that. Yeah, feel free to come and join our page. You must answer the membership questions or we don't let you in. And we have to say no to hundreds of people every year because we can't prove that they're a nurse, midwife, student or AIN because they're not answering the questions. 
May 19, International Day of Action Against Bullying in Nursing and Midwifery. So we've had these released in time for that, part of the month of May for International Nurses Day and, and in the Midwives Day as well. So, yeah, the blue ribbons are that we want to promote the fact that bullying is an issue and that we want action and we want compliance. And, and so that's what the shirt's for. You can buy them from Scrubbers, S-K-R-U-B-B-E-R-S, also on Facebook. Gwen lives in Victoria and we've run out. We don't have any more fabric, but we have ordered more. Wow. I love that. They look amazing, by the way, and they're my favorite color. So I'll have to buy myself one. I love that. That's why we chose blue, so that we could support you boys as well. (laughs) Oh, so inclusive. So inclusive. Yes. Your work is amazing. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. This will help so many people. You're always welcome on the High Performance Nursing Podcast. We will dive into something else the next time, I'm sure. But thank you. And yeah, I didn't know about May the 19th either. So I'll make sure that that's out and um, that we cover all of that on the podcast and hopefully get it out maybe for that day. That would be awesome, hey? Yeah, we're trying to get people just together in different areas. They can let us know they want to do an event. It could be tea and coffee. It could be lunch. It could be going surfing or fishing or something. But let's get out there. Wear cobalt blue for the day and just get together. I don't care if it's two people. Get together in the coffee shop or whether you've got 200 people that turn up at a function. It only has to be small. And we've got our birthday coming up too on the um, – 12th of june i think i think it's the 12th of june our second birthday so we're happy for you to have birthday celebrations somewhere too and wear the scrubs yeah and support each other (laughs) i love that thank you so much thank everybody for listening i'm sure you've got a lot out of today's episodes if you loved it which i'm sure you did please share it tag us on facebook tag us on instagram and tag tammy as well and the nursing midwifery page and yeah you know join the group get all the support that you need and all of the links of the things that we've talked about are in the show notes. Look after yourself, everybody. Stay safe and stay forever curious. Until next time, thank you so much. Thanks, Liam. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.